Hi, welcome to episode 45 of the American Tributaries podcast, where to break out of the bubbles we've all been living in, we use modern technology to explore the various currents of people in our great country, kind of like a 21st century Lewis and Clark journey. I'm your host, Michael Whitten, here in Brooklyn, New York, and thank you for joining me in this exploration of America. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Regina Scott Saunders, who lives on Johns Island in South Carolina and owns the Remarkable Destiny Community Cafe in North Charleston. It's a pay-what-you-can restaurant and serving up some pretty special cuisine. Regina, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? And could you share a bit of your story? Oh, hey, I'm doing great. Um, yeah, I'm Regina Saunders. Um Scott Saunders from James Island. I live Johns Island, but near Johns Island, but I'm from James. Oh, sorry, Island. sorry. <laughs> it's close. It's right next to each other. <laughs> but yeah, my um my story is um I'm a Gullah Geechee girl, um, and um born and raised right here in Charleston, South Carolina, on James Island, and um I learned to cook you know, Gullah Geechee cuisine from my grandma and um the community and by just keeping the traditions going on with um outreach ministry that we do as well as for catering for a lot of the out uh, weddings receptions family reunions that people call for and they want the traditional cuisine and um i enjoy it i'm passing it on to my grandbabies now they're two and three my first grandbabies and we're enjoying it you know farm the table yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit more about, I guess, like what, because what, I, I guess at least up in New York, I, I, I'm i not so wired into the food scene that I was familiar with the term. And I, I haven't really ever seen like a, a, is it, is the proper terminology Gullah or Gullah Geechee? It's Gullah, Gullah Geechee. And um, we can, some people just say Gullah, but Gullah Geechee is the proper yes. term. Okay. And I haven't seen any restaurants that are Gullah Geechee in New York City. So could you, I guess, just go a little bit more into what Gullah Geechee cuisine is? Yeah, um, pretty much it's based off our culture and language. Um, my ancestors, they were enslaved here in Charleston, South Carolina. And because most of them came from different tribes in Africa, they had to form a way of communicating instead of trying to speak so many languages. So they created a language called Gullah Geechee. And it's a blending of some of the tribal language with a little bit of the European language. And and that's how they communicated. We have our own culture because a lot of us, we when we got here, our ancestors had to live off a lot of the things from the land to create cuisine. And some things, some seeds they were able to bring over. Um, and our most popular was rice, which is the main reason why America brought a lot of our um, ancestors over is to excuse me, is to grow grow rice. Mm -hmm. And um, which ended up, they ended up calling um, Carolina gold because rice ended up being currency. And it was in the weight, excuse me, y'all, I apologize. It was in the weight of, (laughs) it was in the weight of gold. Like they trans, they did um, trade with uh, rice like they did with gold. So Carolina gold is still still alive. When you come here, you'll see that people still refer to the rice as Carolina gold, the crops and some of the original seeds. So, of course, rice is one of our main popular dishes that we make. Um, and as, as well as in Africa, 
Uh, one of the main ones that we do is called red rice hair, which is a kind of like a cousin of jollof rice is what they prepare in Africa, West and South and um, East Africa. So that's how our cuisine kind of developed as well. And um, the technique of preparing the meals. Wow. And um, when you were growing up, did your did you did you help your grandmother as a child, or did you have to like be a certain age before you could start learning the like the secrets of the cuisine? <laughs> well, it's, yeah, you ha- you you have to move your way up. <laughs> but we all started <laughs> we all started with um, a lot of the vegetables, is um, green beans and okra, just getting those things prepared. So we all started with prep. And as mm-hmm. a little girl, grandma would just let us get us a whole big. Uh, bushel of whatever the season was of uh, vegetable and we would start cleaning or picking or um, they call it snapping green beans or shucking corn so we would do these different things until um, we made our way up to the to see over the counter and be able to do more (laughs) and what's like the is there I mean is that like if you're gonna have a is there a traditional like kind of a Gologichi like kind of feast or like like what's the what are the, are there are there holidays in the in the in the culture? Yeah, we have um, a few different holidays that we celebrate um, for Gologichi, and um, of course, you know, Black History Month is coming up, so we do a Gologichi Black History, which we share a lot of the culture, the art, um, the cuisine, um, the language, the music, um, just some of everything that makes our culture such a wonderful, loving gathering. We love to gather, especially outdoors and have festivals. We do, um, oh gosh, we're, we're on the sea. We're on the sea islands. So Gullah Geechee is mostly covers the, um, the low country and the sea islands. So we do a lot of fish and shrimp and, um, crab. We have a thing called crab cracks, <laughs> Mm. which we do a long table and everybody just gather and we do one big that's one of our another techniques we do is everything is one pot cooking so we put the crab in there and sometimes we can throw sausage in there and corn and peppers and everybody gathers around the table and we put it all on the table and everybody just get what you want and open your crab and eat and just fellowship and it's a nice way to you know, for community to create community. I'm I'm getting very hungry here. <laughs> <laughs> are there um particular like I guess like spices that are used with the gullah, with gullah cuisine or? Yeah, well, you know, Africa, you know, a lot of things have a little bit of heat, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, we sure. use a lot of different peppers, um, um, sweet peppers as well as hot peppers. Um, and a lot of, you know, herbs and garlic um, that we use in our cooking techniques. We flavor with a lot of that. Um, and uh, what else? That's my grandma's favorite. Oh, gosh. There's so many. Another just cuisine that we use or another pot we use is called um, okra soup. And okra is popular in Africa as well. And it's so, so healthy. I said, I'm going to write a poem one day and apologize to okra. <laughs> Because if I if I knew how healthy and how nutritious okra was growing up, I would have ate more okra. Really? Yes, it has such a list of health benefits, um, from helping to cure cancer to, I mean, so many health benefits with okra. And some people, it's a you know acquired cuisine, so it's kind of sticky when you prepare it. And um, but 
is that's the that's where you get the most benefits. So we use a lot of okra. We do fried okra or we do an okra soup pot that's filled with a lot of different vegetables. Um, and it's tomato based. We can do one with meat or without meat. So yeah, our culture, because we didn't always, you know, um, for Gullah Geechee, because on like plantations, they didn't always give us our ancestors the best of meats. So we prepared what we had. And a lot of what we had was just vegetables that grew out of the ground. So a lot of our dishes are veg- veg- vegetarian based. Um, but then we have some dishes that I know a lot of the college kids, when they come to visit Charleston and they ask me to cook, they'll want to try uh, pig's feet or they want to try uh, chicken feet and they want to try chitlins, which is, um, I don't even want to say it out loud because <laughs> you, you can say it, yeah. <laughs> but it's so good. It's like a delicatessen. What's, 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 can you say, is there a, well, the, a, a nice word? It's the intestines of the, okay. yeah. of the pig, right. but it's the way how we prepare it. It is so uh, super delicious. <laughs> yeah, no, I love tripe, so I'm I'm open. Okay. For, uh, uh, yeah, let's we can get down. We can. I can. Hey, when I when uh, when I was in uh, Italy, but and this is my all time favorite meal was an awful stew called finanziera, which has like uh, like brain and the coxcomb from the rooster and testicles and. It's got stuff that you you don't find at key food, <laughs> you know, you know, or at Whole Foods usually. Um, but it was so good, and one of the things that it really kind of gave me insight into was how like this was in Barolo, which is an area famous for like really expensive wines. But what I realized is this is an area where like all the farmers were giving away all the good cuts of meat, and they were left with just this. Like this is like the the rejects of the rejects, and they were making some like you know transcendent meals there. So. You know, whatever you're describing sounds really interesting, and I want to learn more. <laughs> I, think, I think every culture has that Indiana Jones uh, <laughs> kind yeah. of <laughs> prepared yeah. dish that's like, you're eating what? <laughs> yeah. But again, like you say, it's a preparation and how you clean it and prepare it the right way, and it's so delicious. Uh, we also do oxtail, which I found out is like a gourmet dish in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. So we get folks that'll come to Charleston in their yachts and catch a cab and end up over to one of us and say, can I get some oxtail? <laughs> 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 so we'll make some oxtail. Mm-hmm. And actually, sometimes we'll get it and it's the actual whole tail when you buy it and you have to get it butchered down. And um, so, yeah, some of the cuisines is that we do in our dishes but the number one is um is rice dishes and mm-hmm. um, i can do over a hundred different rice per we call it perlos mm-hmm. and perlos is basically with our galagichi technique of cooking a one pot dish everything is marinated and cooked all evenly in one pot mm. wow um um what was i gonna ask the is it, well i guess first i'll just like do you do you do you pair wine or with your with your food Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I know. It could be a whole book about pairing with wines oh, with uh, Gulagichi food. Oh yeah, we have fun with wine pairing. <laughs> um, my grandma used to make hers from scratch and um, sit it in um in, in her special bottles and let mm. it uh, ferment over time. So even cooking with wine. So mm. yeah, we have a good time. And with Charleston, we got a lot of distilleries and 
and breweries coming up now. So we're working on getting our own Gullah Geechee label on some. Um, but yeah, it's, we have a good time. We're a nice c- culture that likes to gather and celebrate and have a good time. Yeah. Um, and I guess like to, so the, the Gullah Geechee culture is like really kind of, is it, am I correct in understanding that it starts like up in North Carolina and stretches down to Florida? Yeah, it goes all the way down to right? Florida. Yep, all the sea <clears throat> areas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and we, if and if I'm recalling correctly, like was it that uh, was the reason that this like this whole culture was able to kind of like I guess develop such I guess complexity is because like during the summers the 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 the, the plantation owners and their families would kind of leave, so there was more freedom to do to do stuff like this for the the fo- the like enslaved folks who were still left behind, or am I misremembering? Yeah, um, they had certain, um, I think it was, was it cholera or one of the diseases that was going, uh, that was certain times of the year that a lot of the plantation owners did leave. And um, and some of the folks that had were left behind that were enslaved got to stay. And um, for some, I think it was, um, I can't remember, don't quote me wrong. It was some reason why Africans weren't really prevalent to the disease. So they were able to survive during those seasons and um but yeah so there was a little bit more freedom but um mm-hmm. i was i still wouldn't call it for safe no no yeah no <laughs> yeah yes, no no of course um but i guess so then but like Gullah Geechee culture doesn't extend into like virginia or into like like tennessee or alabama or mississippi i mean it's unique to just the coastal the southeast atlantic coastal area correct yeah, and I and I know they just had came up with a lot of data research and said that we have migrated inland a lot. Our ancestors did map migrate inland, so you can go to different states and all the way in Texas. There's a group of Gullah Geechee people that still meet and have regular gatherings in Texas, because so a lot of Gullah folks left when the Indians left, so they went on. They have um, a trail that they went with um, a lot of the Indians when the Indians left, so. But yeah, you, we were able to find Queen Quet is our queen of the Gullah Geechee Nation. And she also is represented, um, speaks with the UN. Um, and she's been able to travel the country and um, meet up and um, and discover more of our, um, our culture that's still practicing the culture and still gathering in different parts of the United States. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. How many yeah. do, is, do you have any rough sense as to like the number of people who will can trace their roots back? Like, is there any kind of like rough estimate? Well, where I, where I'm at in Charleston, South Carolina, um, a lot of the data and scientific research have shown that most like every black person can trace their roots. I think forty percent can chase trace their roots back right here in Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. Because this was wow. one of the, the main gateways, or where um, a lot of our ancestors were brought into um, America. Wow! So 40, about forty percent can trace back here. Mm-hmm. And has there been, I guess, uh, an, I guess, an evolution? Have there been things that have been added to the, I guess, the culture and the cuisine? I guess since like since since slavery ended, like in the last like 150 years, are there are there new like kind of additions to 
to the cuisine and to the culture and everything since? Well, um, they have a rice. They call it hill rice. And um, I just got some of it from, I believe, I just got some of it. And that, that trail, the Indian trail, the rice was brought here from uh, Africa. It's an original seed. And um, so they have just discovered that. So there's a lot of new research and data on the seed of the hill rice. And that was brought because a lot of the women and the people, when they were brought over, they they knew they had to bring something of value maybe. So in their hair and their braids, they would hide seeds or and bring seeds here and replant certain seeds. So that's one of the rice that they saw seeds that was brought over and that they're discovering now. And it cooks up so, so delicious. It's so good. Wow. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back to Africa to see, I guess, the, I guess the, 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 the older roots of the culture? Not yet. I'm planning on going the first time this year. Um, a lot of, I'm working with a lot of the ambassadors and a lot of delegates from um, Liberia. Um, actually, we're helping to get books in Liberia. It's one of the countries that the government there never allowed them to have books or a library. So we're helping to ship books over there and get a library going for the first time. Um, so I'm working with a lot of folks from there that come to Charleston because they want to know how they call us the um, people that that disappeared. So when our ancestors were captured or brought over, um, a lot of the families there, they never knew what happened. They just knew that the people disappeared. So we're going over and we're doing Zooms and podcasts like we're doing today with you to let them know what happened to us, what happened to the people that disappeared. They never knew we became out a culture called Gullah Geechee and communicated. And so we're descendants of the people that wouldn't die. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it sounds like the history is kind of, I mean, most histories are complicated, but like there's, there's so much, I mean, pain and wrong in the history, but then also there's so much, I mean, I I just like, when you contemplate what people were experiencing that, that that ability to survive and thrive and preserve a a culture um, is a real, I mean, it's a real, it's real testament to um, fortitude as well it's really inspiring i mean i don't mean to make light of what they were going through but to to kind of still be here today with this kind of rich culture that i think is only people are going to learn more and more about is really pretty amazing oh yeah 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 we still um embrace um the drums and drum circles um drums are a way of communicating as well um and just even hearing the music and the drums when they play it here and when they play it in Africa. And it's it's a vibe that can just go through your whole body. And if you close your eyes, you can almost feel the, the hopes and the dreams of our ancestors who wanted to be free and who wanted us all to come together and live in peace and help one another. You just... You just can feel the prayers of them and yeah. let them live through us. Have you, have you found that the, the Gullah Geechee culture has been kind of a, a bridge builder? Like, is it, or do you find like in where you, where you are that it's mostly the, the black community that's attracted to it? Or is it kind of like everybody who's just, or is it more kind of broad reaching? 
Oh, everybody. And definitely we're, you know, it starts in the homes and definitely we want to share with um, our culture and the young people today who don't know where they came from and don't know the price that our, their ancestors paid. So definitely we want to share more and we do share a lot more, but we embrace everybody from every culture because we're all connected. We're all connected, you know? So, you know, we all want the same things. We all want peace. We all want love. We all want, you know, some, some sort of, some sort of family or community. We all want the same things. So we're not that different, but we do have people from all walks of life, all come. I mean, we have people from other countries that want to come and they embrace and learn our history and want to taste and see and, um, and meet and hear us um, talk in our own dialect. So sometimes my Gullah Geechee come out real thick. So I'm, I'm oh, working yeah. on talking slow for you today. Because <laughs> Gullah when we talk Gullah, it's fast. <laughs> and when I get to go, they be like, oh, say it again. Because some of our alpha, we don't have the same alf- alphabet as the European alphabet. So for the longest, my grandma would tell us that when I was a little girl, they would go to funerals and they would say they would need a whale. And when I got older, I was like, Grandma, I'm going to a funeral. I need that whale thing that you and the other older elders talk about. Y'all have to get and wear when you go to the funerals. So what's, what's, where's the whale? And Grandma, turns out Grandma was saying veil, but we don't have, <laughs> we don't have these. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have V's in the alphabet. A lot of African languages don't have the letter V, so <laughs> they were replacing it with a W. <laughs> so, I wonder how many, how much, how many other things you might have misunderstood growing up until you got that epiphany. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and my and when I go to business with my business friends, and I try not to say the word ASK because for some reason when I say it, it sounds like ASS. <laughs> so, so some things that we were, I'm learning that. Because it comes naturally, and I'm like, oh, I'm saying this. I need to translate it this way. <laughs> did you um? Did you grow up learning uh, speaking the, the uh, Gullah Geechee language, or was it something you learned as you got older? Uh, no, when I was li- when I was younger, but you know, because it was taught that it was not it was a bad way to speak. So as I got into you know school systems, they you know, kind of didn't want us to speak in our dialect here. So we learned to not use it as much. But when we get around our families for food and Sunday dinners and things and crab cracks and stuff, we just get to talking. (laughs) It comes back back thicker sometimes on me. And um, when I get around the the other Gullah Geechee folks and we get to talking and we just go. And I can, my uncle, he's, he's really thick with, um, he went on his, when he went to work, they thought he was, um, they say, what language are you speaking? <laughs> but, um, so my uncle, but yeah, we have some 90 year olds that's still here. And um, it's amazing. Cause some of the 90 and hundred year olds, they still cook and eat and, you know, live in the culture and live on the land and they have no dot no health challenges at all so i tell everyone i think it's a balance of how you eat and how you live 
And um, we're not lazy people because a lot of our food is really heavy foods. <laughs> but we're not lazy people. So you can't eat all this Gullah Geechee cooking and uh, be lazy because you will get fat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we eat a lot of heavy heavy foods mm. is is pigs a big a part of your of the of the cuisine is that right like pork? Well, mostly seafood because we live okay. in the water so we season a lot of our dishes with a lot of seafood or if we do the pork we do season with pork it's just like you know the salt balance but okay. um but yeah so we we could either use the seafood or the pork either or mm. Um, that's one of the gifts that we have. We we get those mystery um, box of food, and uh, <laughs> we can prepare a dish. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. make it flavorful. But yeah. So, so, how did the idea for the Destiny Community Cafe get started? Um, Destiny. Well, my family, like I said, we always been cooking and gathering and preparing meals. People ask us to do funerals, and we call them repasts which is the dinner you have after the funeral. So we were doing a lot of that for families and, and our community just because people knew we liked to cook. And um, then I ended up opening up, a, um, I rented a space to open up a venue because here it didn't really have a lot of places for Black folks to rent to, that we can gather and have our reunions and baby showers and still provide our own Gullah Geechee food. Because a lot of folks... A lot of places here, venues, you have to use their their menu and their cuisine. So we found a space and we rented the space and um, we allow people to bring their cuisine or allow us or have us do the cuisine. And we could seat up to 200 people. So we did that for about, I think that was 2013, 14, sometime. So we did that. And then I started to see people in our dumpsters getting food and eating. It was kids, older folks, and, you know, different race cultures. We just saw people in the dumpsters and in the trash in the mornings or at night. And I would just invite them in and tell them, come on, sit down. Like at grandma house, like, you know, my grandma had the house that everybody would go to and she'd do the same thing. So we just started feeding folks. And um, then I went online and said, there's got to be a better way and I found a organization called was a network called One World Everybody Eats, and I saw that John Bon Jovi up in New York he was doing a similar where anybody and everybody can come eat, and I'm like this is just like our culture because we welcome everybody to come and sit, and so I joined the association for the network, and I ended up meeting JBJ John Bon Jovi, wow. told him about Charleston and what we're doing down here. And um, so I just started feeding folks, uh, pay what you can, whether you have money or not, you still can eat. And I specialize in our cuisine and we already partnered with a lot of farmers here. So it was farm to table. And um, that was going on eight years now ago. And community has been embracing us and we partnered with um, shelters and um, schools and daycares and nursing homes and low-income apartments. And um, so the cafe, we uh, moved out of the cafe last December. Somebody bought the whole plaza and the community blessed us with two food trucks. So now we go out in food trucks in the community and we just cook up a storm and everybody enjoys it. And of course, our 
that mac and cheese and the pearlo rices is the top dishes everybody wants. So, um, yeah, we just enjoy it and, you know, creating community. Yeah. <clears throat> and how, so you've been doing the truck since the beginning of the year? Yeah, it's been a year okay. now. Yeah, oh, been a year. Wow. Okay, wow. Yeah. Was, did it change a lot? Um, I guess the cooking, having the facility, you know, versus just cooking in the truck or, or do you go cooking someplace else and put it on the truck to deliver? Yeah, we, we do both. Mostly we have a kitchen that we have one of my, um, one of our friends who used to volunteer with us at the cafe, he opened a cafe um, and he's Mexican and he opened a Mexican cuisine cafe and um, right before we moved out. So he was like, come on over, mi casa, su casa. So we cook out of his kitchen, put it on the truck and we go and we're doing like thousands of people sometimes in a week. And, um, but it's beautiful. We put, sometimes we put out, um, tables so people can sit in front of the truck and just enjoy and talk. And, um, it's beautiful. Um, and even when we had like, um, certain things happen in the community that we had other folks that just didn't understand what was going on. I remember we had some elders in the community and, um, they got to sit at the table with some other folks of some white ladies and some black ladies got to sit at the community table and they had questions about things that was going on in the community and they were able to share and talk and get answers and take blinders off. And that's what it's about getting at the table, being able to open up and just talk and share and know that we're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's um, you know, and and I think to me like that's, um, to me the food is such a connector either for the people at the table, but like as you are also doing like with the history, um, you know, going backwards and then also going forward, passing it, those traditions on to the next generation. So it's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's great that you've like harnessed that to also you know help a lot of people who are probably struggling. Do you do you have any? Um, I guess like stories of like, I mean, like, um, I mean, people who've like come back to you to let you know how much they appreciate it or how, you know, they had some kind of like real turnaround moment at, at one of your you know meals or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one particular, um, this one guy, nobody, he was homeless and nobody really kind of talked to him. He used to have his hair spiked up into crazy little antennas <laughs> and we invited him in to come and eat one day. And um, and he smelled really, really bad, you know, the ones that they leave a trail of the scent when they walk. So he knew he smelled. So he would come like first thing in the mornings, like as soon as we open the door so he can eat before a lot of people came. And then he was so he he would sit in the corner and get his meal and and he wouldn't talk much, but he would eat and then he would get the broom or whatever and just start sweeping out front. And um, so after a while, he started talking and. um we got to know him a little and uh, he had him. We found his mom because he didn't have family here. And his mom was a couple of still in South Carolina, but a little further out in the rural area. And she was living in this like a nursing's home kind of thing where she could have a visitor for a couple of days. So he was like, more than anything, I want to see my mom for Christmas. So we all chipped in, all the volunteers chipped in, got him a bus ticket in the barbershop in the plaza. They gave him a haircut, took him to the uh, get a bath, a shower, cleaned him up. One of the churches gave him a bag of clothes and he had a jacket that it was a mechanic, like a, 
car mechanic guy jacket and it said Eric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His name wasn't Eric, <laughs> but it said Eric. And then he had some boots on uh, and and some jeans and they gave, and at first he didn't want to get his haircut. So we were trying to talk to him and show him pictures on our phone. Like, look at Bruce Willis and look at all these cool celebrities. And stuff. <laughs> he was a blonde guy. It was like showing him all the blonde people, like white people. That cool. It was like, you get his haircut. So he was like, okay. So when he came back to the cafe from the barber and putting his clothes on, he had the little jacket on and they gave him this cool spiky blonde hair, cool haircut and shaved his beard in a cool shape. Nobody recognized him. And he came with his posture up high, walking in like John Wayne. (laughs) 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 And we were like, all right. And cheered him. And he was like, and we said his real name and he was like, nah, call me Eric. (laughs) (laughs) and he would sit to the table and eat his meal and he would have conversations with people at the table because he never talked to anybody before and it was just a beautiful thing he went to see his mom and came back and and he asked me he said miss regina can you adopt me and i was like So I don't don't know about adoption but you know you're you're part of our family now you know (laughs) And um, so, yeah, he was one. And then another, we had a family that used to come to eat. They were going through hard times living in a motel. And um, they came back one day in the U-Haul and parked the U-Haul right in front of the door and was like, Miss Regina, we're moving into our home and we just want to thank you for feeding us. And then another time we had this one lady, she would come on a regular. She was going through a horrible divorce. And her monies were tied up, but she had a job. Her monies just was tied up. So she would come eat lunch with us on her lunch break really quick and then leave. And after it was done and over, she just was so came back and told us how grateful. And she had a house and she had her visitations with her kid and her and everything. And she always referred people to us and bring people for lunch. Um, Oh, gosh, so many stories in eight years. Um, another one, uh, we had a lady that was 80 something years old and she would get in her car, go pick the homeless people up from tent city, bring them in her car for lunch. They would sit to the table and eat. And then she would go get and take them and bring another group. <laughs> wow. That's, 80 something that's... years old. And so, yeah, we just all made family and, and, um, just so many folks over the years, um, living in their car are on the streets and some of them people didn't know and sometimes they they just didn't meet the requirements to get assistance uh one of our volunteers she stayed on the phone for like three hours with a homeless guy come to find out because he was bipolar schizophrenic and he didn't have all his medications so she stayed on the phone for all those hours to get him all set up so he can get back regulated on his medication and she wow. just did that out of her out of lunch, them just sitting there having lunch. Yeah. So just bringing back the kindness in people, you know, I think that's mainly what I try to do um, from watching my my ancestors and grandma doing the same thing over the years, um, just loving on folks and reminding folks, you know, lead by example, you know, kind of, and being in that atmosphere where, you know, most restaurants you probably couldn't sit in if you smelt that bad, you know, or yeah. most restaurants wouldn't even take you if you only had 25 cents. But we would. And um, 
I've had cancer patients come back and call me. Um, one one group of little kids, they would come after school and during the summer, and they were good manners. They would sit to the table. They weren't related. They were just all friends from the community, and they would sit there, and I would make, you know, dinner. It wasn't Happy Meals. It wasn't chicken nuggets and french fries. It was, you know, Gullah Geechee rice and beans, <laughs> and they would sit there and eat and be grateful, and um, and one day they fought over Brussels sprouts. I had some Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and it was the last, I was like, can we have seconds? And I was like, okay, I got enough for maybe a one good scoop. And they were like, shared that one good scoop of Brussels sprouts. And then one day I had a call from a lady and she said, I just want to thank you because um, two of the children that you've been feeding are my children. And I have like a high stage cancer. They said, I'm not going to live and I'm not going to live long, but you've been feeding my, my babies. And I just want to thank you for that. And she says, she's going to fight despite what the doctors say about her life expectancy. She's going to stay and continue to fight so she can stay and see her kids grow just a little bit longer. So Things like that, you never, you never know who you're helping. You yeah. never know who's going through. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, you don't know. You know, um, I've had folks that you know, I've even carried an extra pair of tennis shoes in my car, and you know, stop at the bus stop and see somebody with no shoes on and giving them a pair of my shoes. You know, and my volunteer has been doing the same thing. You know. So it's beyond the walls of the cafes, you know, you know, in your daily walk, you know, yeah. getting back to mankind, being considerate and kind. I mean, it really sounds like I mean, you're, you know, you're like a, a ray of ray of sunshine or a, a stopping place for people to catch their breath and kind of power through. And that's really like little miracles all, all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sometimes I get the school's hair. They'll send me some of the kids that they'll say is get in trouble a lot. <laughs> mm. And they'll say, oh, you're going to Miss Regina's kitchen. <laughs> and um, sometimes I get privileged kids, too, from private schools and their uncle or aunt's like, I'm sending my niece down there to you. <laughs> yeah. And um, so one day we were in the kitchen, me and this group of, I, don't, I get a lot of boys sometimes, I don't know. And they're taller than me at 14. <laughs> but they like to eat. They like to yeah. eat. <laughs> yeah, watch out. Watch out. <laughs> I would give, I have one boy who's 12 and he's already eating like a teenager. And keep the teenager boys out of there if you want to keep your inventory. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they love Miss Vegeta. They love Miss Vegeta kitchen. So I had a, a couple of them in there one day and we were cooking in a cast iron skillet. And I was teaching them about the benefits of um, how much nutrients you can get out of eating out of cast iron, you know, and um, they were about to use my um, spatula to stir the vegetables in there. And I said, no, you can't use the plastic spatula because um, it's going to melt. And that's for, you know, mixing the, 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 um, the cornbread and everything. And I said, if you, but they do make spatulas that don't melt in the pot, but we don't have any of those here. And then, like, a few minutes later, a group of ladies from some church group came in, and they said they saw a flyer about us and the Gullah Geechee cooking that we do and posted in the hospital on the bulletin board 
and um, I think it was the sickle cell department, and they saw that we have a wish list and and uh, you know just paper towel cleaning supplies things like that, and they brought like all these like huge like bulk packages from like Sam's or Costco to us and they just wanted to donate it and it was like out of the blue and we were like thank you so we were going through it with them and in the midst of all the stuff they had a packet that had these spatulas that don't melt or burn when you cook with it and it wasn't on my list (laughs) 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 so the boys were like Miss Regina (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I just, you know, I was just so in awe of just how the miracles are happening. And we got miracle meals that we prepared from thanks to the donors and the farmers when they give us surplus. And just the fact that the young people can see that, you know, faith and believe in and speak in that things can manifest for good as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have miracles at destiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, so how do, how do you get by as your, as, I mean, obviously you have to have, a, you have to have a living cause you've, you need, you, you need to live yourself. Um, and the, uh, and institution, I guess, really has to kind of keep going. So do you have, um, do you have like fundraisers or is like everything kind of donated? Like, how are you, how are you able to keep this enterprise going so successfully for so long? Well, for the past seven plus years, I've been funding it myself um, through, you know, good people like you and other folks that'll hire me to come and cater for them. And you, and when I was had the center where people were ready in the center. So we, I was able to fund a lot of it myself, you know, but you know, thanks to the community, they, they were saving us on a lot of times too when the donations would come at the right time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're funded by donations. I'm just now getting on payroll in our eighth year. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I will get paid now. <laughs> you know, hallelujah. So yeah, but donations, online donations that come in the middle of the night and in the midst of the mornings that people just decide there they find us and, um, they'll share and every penny helps, you know, we got $10 donors, hundred dollar donors. We're working on, um, getting, um, grant money as well. So we got our first, it was like a pandemic reimbursement grant because we spent, uh, over 50,000 of our own money, um, just to be able to help with relief during the pandemic. So they gave us, um, a grant to refund, reimburse us back. So that was a blessing that we spent that right back into feeding people again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we got the food trucks, you know, so we have the two food trucks and we've um, upgraded some of the equipment in there. So, but donations, 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 donations. Yeah. What is there a, a website folks can, who are listening can go to if they want to donate? Mm-hmm. Um, it's our website is destinycommunitycafe.com. And we have a really good um, link on there that says donate is through a program that allows us to keep um, most all of the donation money because some of them take a big percentage out of nonprofits that get donations. So we found this one company that um, they uh, only do nonprofits and we get to choose if we want to give 1% or 3% 
and our donors can decide if they want to pay a percent towards the processing. So it's, I know a lot of our donors, that was a big thing that they wanted to give, but they wanted to make sure that we get, not get all these fees and lose out on the donation. Yeah. Wow. So how do, and how do people, is there, do you, do you let people know where your trucks are going or is it just kind of a, an unpredictable route or they have a schedule? Well, because we're new and we're just getting the feel of things, we haven't designated a, a, a main spot yet. Um, but right now we've been going to like senior citizen apartments that are low income and disabled folks live there too. And then we've been partnering with um, the city when they have things or outreaches that already have folks that are struggling. So when the outreach have a a public event or something, we'll go with them and because they'll already have the people that are um, needing, you know, a healthy, nutritious meal that's filling. And um, sometimes we'll pack up, we'll give them extras so they can take home if they need extras. Yeah. But that's what we've been going so far. It's been, um, it's been a blessing. We just go where we're invited. Yeah. Have you uh, have you managed to get JBJ to come down during one of his concert tours? I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. I am working on it. I say, I say, you don't. I say, you don't even have to perform. You could just come and cook and hang out and have dinner with us at Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, That's he's funny. one of our favorites. <laughs> yeah. And do you are, are do you spend a lot of is it mostly in like the North Charleston area that you're taking care of people? Yeah, but we have in Charleston we have a lot of rural areas that don't get um, a lot of services. So I've been partnering with outreaches that have been going into rural areas as well to um, to help as well and serve. And like I said, if anything, I feel like when we come through to some of these communities, we can stir up hope. And get neighbors back to where you. I remember when I was growing up, we could go next door and borrow sugar, bake a cake, cook the cake, cut the cake, take a slice back to the person that gave you the sugar <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. You know, so just stirring up people to give back to remembering their neighbor and their community, if anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I read somewhere that you had a garden. Yeah. Was that yeah. with the old facility or you have one now? We had a garden with the old facility, but we okay. were able to get planters and we took the garden and the planters to one is at the Gullah Geechee, um, uh, Gullah Geechee Angel Network. They have a house in um, one of the rural areas for the, for the community. So we took one there and then we took another planter to this homeless shelter for men and they have my basil and my sage growing like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And um and was is it been difficult to kind of keep the 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 garden growing or do things grow pretty pretty well and predictably? It was that that garden either the soil or the love or just them singing or talking to whatever. It it's been blessed. It's community garden. So, but yeah, we're hoping to start another one at um, another facility that the mayor of the city of Charleston, he's giving us a kitchen to use, a cafeteria 
downtown that's been sitting abandoned for many years. So we'll be moving in there in a couple of months. And um, it has room for us to do a raised garden. Oh, wow. That's that's great. Yeah. <clears throat> Is there anything that you that that um you haven't been able to like get that you'd like to grow, or is like you pretty much have everything that you would need to have free, in your mind a satisfactory Golgichi uh, garden? No, there's plenty of stuff I still want to grow, but the the weather and the climate has been changing, so things that wasn't able to grow in Charleston is now able to grow here now. So we've been seeing all kinds of stuff. I mean, avocados been growing well. Um, of course, you know, okra grows good here. And, um, oh gosh, I would love to see if I can grow rice though. I just want to, there is a rice plantation. It's not in Charleston, no, but there is a rice, and there's some old rice plantations we can go visit here in Charleston that I found fascinating just seeing the technique that, and the, that's that is some ser- that is one of the hardest, most labor intense things to grow and harvest is rice. Mm-hmm. And just watching seeing some of the old plantations here and what they had to do in stages to get rice to grow. It's horrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I uh, my my wife is Taiwanese, and I lived in Japan for uh, three years. And the first time we we were in Bali, and the first time I saw like rice fields, it was absolutely amazing to me because it's something you you know what rice looks like, but to actually see the vast fields and see what it looked like in nature was so it was unexpectedly thrilling to see. <laughs> like, oh, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then another one that um, they're growing out on James Island, where I grew up, there's an old plantation there that's now open to the public that you can tour. And um, they managed to get some of the original seeds of cotton. And like when you drive certain places around now and throughout Charleston or Bruford, you might see people growing cotton, but the cotton cotton is really low. I mean, it doesn't even come up to maybe your ankle. I mean, it comes up to maybe your knees, but the original seed that our ancestors had to pick for cotton, the cotton grew as tall as you and I. So when I was there, and you know, it's, it has the thorns and everything, you know, when you out when cotton grows. So when I was imagining and thinking back to my ancestors picking cotton, I was thinking that the one that we see on the sides of the road in places that is low down to the ground and they were bending over and they had to bend over and reach up high to pick cotton. So it was, that was another label, labor and physically challenging to pick cotton that they weren't able that they had to weigh and you know cotton is like feather weight yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so they were out there in fields growing cot picking cotton that's as tall as five feet tall and bending and picking so they have a small area on james island at mcleod plantation that they got the original seed and is growing and it's about that tall now so that was a blessing to go out there and see how originally how it was back then yeah i was i saw that when we were there over the summer it was the pretty cotton. cool yeah, yeah yeah that was pretty cool um <clears throat> what's okay what is the is soul food something totally separate from Gullah Geechee cuisine? Does there overlap or what's the relationship if there is any between the two? Well, I think it's a, a I think Gullah Geechee cooking is the roots of soul food. And then um, 
because if you go back, if you look at some of the soul food, that's mostly like, I think the plant-based, mostly the vegetables and things. Um, that's a lot of the cuisine is the roots that um, Gullah Geechee prepared. Mm-hmm. But thing, okay. All right. That's, that's interesting. Okay. Collard greens. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and, um, and that sweet potato, which mm-hmm. because in Africa, they didn't really didn't do sweet potato. They did yams, the actual yam. But because yam didn't really grow hair, they used sweet potato to make dishes um, that were called for yams. Mm-hmm. So occasionally I can get my hands on some yams here, some African mm-hmm. yams, mm-hmm. and I'll make a traditional African yam dish, or I'll make some fufu. Mm-hmm. What's fufu? It um, Fufu is like the the starch that you would normally kind of eat with your vegetables or your soups and stews. And I don't know if you've seen it before, but it looks like a, I don't know, like um, almost look like a big ball of mashed potatoes, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. but it's kind of sticky. So you take uh. a piece and you use it like kind of like a bread and it sucks up whatever soups or stews. So you eat Africans, they eat a lot with hands, mm-hmm. fingers. So it sucks. So you use that and you suck up whatever soup or stew pop it in your mouth and it's so delicious <laughs> but it's made with pound pound yams uh, okay made with pound yams so um so yeah so a lot of fun dishes that you can eat eat yeah. with your fingers mm. do you do you have any favorite um like either like cookbooks or tv shows or anything like for people who'd want to learn more about the go get you or like websites Oh me. yeah. This is selfishly I'm asking this question, but <laughs> Yeah, I wish I had the name of one of the elders here. She's like in her eighties, almost nineties, and she just published a Gullah Geechee book. And uh, um I might have to get you her name. So if I don't know if you can mm-hmm. write it down in the comments or put a mm-hmm. link at the end mm-hmm. um, with her name. But she just published like with like five months ago, within five months ago, a lot mm-hmm. of the Gullah recipes. Um, I have a lot of favorites. Everybody knows here locally, uh, Chef BJ Dennis. Okay, um, yeah. So he's like our Gullah Geechee cuisine king. <laughs> mm, yep, yep. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, those are my top ones right now. And um, but there's so many, like how they say, unsung, <laughs> unsung chefs. Yeah, that are locals here. That I love to get in the kitchen with. Uh, we just lost Martha Lou. Um, she had Martha Lou's kitchen downtown Charleston for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I didn't get to share, but my, um, my, I think it was my great great uncle had a um, a soul food kitchen um, here, and a lot wow. of the chefs um, that ended up. Continue on with Gullah Geechee cuisine. Came they used to work with him. Called it was called um, uh, the Ladson House, and then uh, Martha Lou used to cook there. But she just uh, passed away last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she was almost I think she was in her late eighties as well, going on nineties. Mm-hmm. But she just passed away. But I loved being in the kitchen with her. She had this cutest little humble little place. And celebrities would come through Charleston and be in that little place mm-hmm. eating her food and hanging out with her. And she made the best fried shrimp. And I was like, Martha Lou, what's the key of this fried shrimp you make? And it was because she used the local shrimps. She didn't use the frozen shrimps. She didn't use the store-bought shrimps. 
She used the local fresh shrimps, had that nice sweet taste. And then she did have another um, in her batter that I can't tell you, but. (laughs) 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 But, oh man, she made the best fried Uh shrimps and shrimp and grits and oh my. But yeah, she had some of the, um, I think Pharrell was at her um, kitchen. Oh, wow. I think I want to say Barbara Streisand. I mean, she had all the celebrities that were, and it was like a little house, and she had uh-huh. all the original chairs, like Grandma House, and mismatched tablecloths, and odd little plates in China, and then she would have little pictures on the wall of some people that came through and flyers, and it was just the best. So, I think out of all of the actual restaurants that made it to still survive that was Gullah Geechee was um, Martha Lou's okay. and then his Bertha's kitchen that's still that's still up and running um, the the grand and the great grands they're they're still cooking their mother's cuisine and recipes and they're pretty pretty popular here wow yeah. <clears throat> but just sitting in the kitchen watching food made with love it's the best yeah wow well, you, you make me very eager to get to get back down there. So <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> this is going to be great. Well, we should uh, we should probably wrap up. Um, okay. But uh, before I finish, I, I wish we could go. I wish we could go on more, but I'm sure you have things to do. Um, but um, can I ask, like, you know, what, what gives you hope at the end of the day? <sighs> what gives me hope that at the end of the day is, um, I guess, just the testimonies of the people. And my faith in God and that mankind, you know, still out here sharing kindness. And um, that keeps me going. The testimonies more than anything, just seeing that we're effective, that just keeps me going. I saw I had a college kid um, at one of the colleges I spoke at. And she said, what makes you still want to get up in the morning and say, let me go and cook and help people? And what makes you still want to get out of bed and still do that? <laughs> and I say, yeah, the hope to change the world, make it a better place. And and I, and I see it works. This works. Yeah. Yeah. Love conquers all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's perfectly said. Well, thank you so much, Regina, for making time to to share an hour or so on the podcast. I really appreciate all your patience and the, and the love that you that you emit clearly. So, thank you. Thank you all for right. all you do. All right. And then thank you to all the listeners out there. May you go explore our country with curiosity, respect, compassion, and humility. All right, take care, Regina. We'll be talking soon. I'm sure. <laughs>